Greetings to all of God's people. This is Mordecai Joseph. We're now in lesson 80. And last time we reached uh, John chapter 4 and verse 37. We're going to read verse 37 now. And here we read, For in this the same is true, one sows and another reaps. He's talking about uh, his disciples and how he sent them to do a measure of work in the land of Israel, among the people of Israel, the people of God, in particular, you know, the people of uh, Judah, the house of Judah and those who were with them. And so he's telling them that, in verse 38, I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. And who are the others? They're talking about the people of Israel who have known the Holy Scriptures, who have known Moses, who have known the prophets, who have known what they said, who have known what, what they wrote about the kingdom, who have given them an awful lot of information, and therefore, as you can see through the entirety of the writings of their disciples, of the apostles later on, when they spoke to the people, all they had to say is, as it is written, or say as it is says in David, speaking about the Psalms, or as Isaiah said, and didn't have to go through a chapter or verse, whatever it may be. In other words, they came to a world, to a nation, to a people, that, as Paul said to Timothy, and many of them were in that category, from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures, the Word of God, that was spoken by Moses and by the prophets, which was able to make you wise unto salvation by faith through the God of Israel, who now is Jesus Christ. And so this is what he's talking about. Because the children of the prophets that God spoke through, who now is in the person of Jesus Christ, as Peter says, that the prophets of old, when they spoke, they were inspired by the Spirit that was of Christ, that was in them. And so when they were moved by that Spirit, they spoke. And so, in other words, God was preparing the way for His coming long, long, long in advance. And He gave that knowledge and understanding to His wife, to His people, and so when He came to them, He didn't come into a vacuum. If you go to a country that never heard about the Word of God, you wouldn't be able to do much of a work because they wouldn't know what you're talking about. Nothing will make sense. And you certainly wouldn't be able to tell them just as it is written. They wouldn't know what you're talking about, what book, who is that person, what did he say? And so that's what he's telling them. Because the whole message is to Israel. And everything is in the context of that. And so that's what he's telling them. I send you to reap that for which you have not labored. He is the one that did the labor. And he's the one that sent the prophets, and he's the one that spoke through them, and he's the one that caused Israel to know all these things. And that's why even when people would not listen, he still tells them the truth. So when the time comes, they would know that he spoke to them, either personally or through the prophets. And sometimes we feel, you know, if we do a certain work and nobody listens, that nothing happened. Instead of realizing, no, when God does his work, when he sends his word, he does not come back in vain. Even if sometimes, 5,000 years down the road, people begin to respond, literally, after the resurrection. But then they're going to remember, they've heard it. And what's 5,000 years to God? You're talking about a few seconds. And so we have to think in that way, just like God does. And that's what he's telling them. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. And their labors were from God, to his people, to his wife. So when he comes... He's going to have a foundation to work with. 
And so it is. And so we continue now in uh, chapter 5 and verse 27. We read, speaking about himself, in verse 26, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. The life that he can give to others and bring life to others, either through the resurrection or in the ultimate sense, that those who walk in him are going to have eternal life. In other words, even death is not going to separate them. It'll be just like going to sleep and they're going to come back to life. And he's talking about eternal life. That's another uh, statement on his part to make very plain the fact that he is a living a deity, that he is a spirit being you know, that was a spirit being in the past. Now he's manifested in the flesh and he's going back to it. But he's making it very plain that he is and was the God of Israel, even now, is manifested in the flesh as a human being. Some people say, well, when did, when did Christ ever say that he is God? He said it in so many ways. And if you are not wise, obviously you are not going to see it, but if you are a fool, you would not. And you cannot open the, the eyes of the fool, only God can. And some people, because of that, and they are not going to admit that I am a fool, I don't see it, I don't understand it, they think they are wise, wise in their own conceit. And so they don't see it all over the place. God made it very plain who he is when he came in the flesh in so many ways. And that's why he even spoke in parables to the unwise, to the blind, because he did not intend for them to see at this time, but for the ones who had a heart, who had ears, who were written in the book of life, so to speak, or who were meant by the Father to be called at this time, to be added to the body of believers, the followers of Jesus Christ, which are sprinklings, ultimately speaking, of the whole house of Israel, they are the ones who are able to see and to understand. So you should not be uh, too surprised that there are an awful lot of people now in Israel, there are going to be more of them, who do not understand or comprehend, just like Christ said about the, the parables of the, of the terrorists and the sores and all that. But some people, as soon as they hear it, you know, that they, they rejoice at it, and then... Uh, uh, the evil one, you know, speaking about Satan, he comes and plucks it away from them. And they have no roots. They have no faith. They're not genuine. They may be called, but they're not chosen. They do not respond, so their eyes are not totally open. And that's the reason why they, after they've known certain things, and have believed in them, and even may, maybe had some convictions, now they seem to be losing it. They don't have it. Well, that shouldn't be surprising. Because... That was already described. The process was described, how people come back uh, to where they used to be. In other words, how the dog goes back to his own vomit. That's the process. And so he says, As the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself, and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of God, that is, the Son of Man. In other words, the fact that he is now in the flesh, he knows he knows how it feels to be in the flesh. And therefore, God said, well, uh, even though I'm God and you're God, uh, you know, in other words, we're both deities, but I have not experienced the flesh, and you did, so you should be the one to take care of those matters, because you know how it feels to be a human being. And that's what he's talking about. Verse 28, do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice. And he's speaking specifically about his own people. Yes, he's going to resurrect the rest of humanity. 
but the emphasis is mainly on his own people because he came to his own. And all those who died, and the fact that he has life in himself, it's not a, it's not a problem. The fact that they are dead, you know, he's going to bring them life. And so they're going to hear his voice from the graves, not from heaven, but from the graves, because that's where they are. The spirit is in heaven, but it's not a living being. And that's why he makes the point that they are in the grave. He could have said they are in heaven. He says they are in the grave, even though the spirit is in heaven. And verse 29, and uh, well, the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Repeating exactly what he said to Malachi and what he said to Daniel and what he said to other prophets and speaking about his own people Israel. And so among his people Israel, there are going to be those because of their attitude and their total rejection of truth and of the nature of God, of the way of God, well, obviously, they're not going to be resurrected to life, but to a condemnation, to judgment. And that does not mean yet at this point that he's talking about being thrown into the lake of fire. But they need to be judged for their actions, and then it's up to God to decide uh, whether they're going to be given uh, the first opportunity because obviously the, the, most of them did not even understand what they were doing as he said in, about his own people Father forgive them for they know not what they are doing and he was not talking about them being going to the lake of fire but the fact that they were in ignorance and so he's talking about people who are going to rise up to a condemnation just like he said about Capernaum and other cities that in the day of judgment when they all stand before the throne of God it's going to be better for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah or Tyre or Sidon, then for those uh, those people who have heard him. So there is going to be condemnation there, but does not mean the lack of fire. There is a difference between the two. And so he says in verse 30, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. And if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. And he's making it very plain that whatever truth he brought into the world, he brought it from the Father. And so on some people in their ignorance, because of what the counterfeit church taught for the past 2,000 years, think that Christ was the founder of Christianity, in other words, a new religion, with a new group, with a new entity, with a new people. He made it very plain all the time. He did not. He was not the founder of Christianity. There is no such a thing to begin with. He said, do not think that I came to destroy the Torah or the prophets. He came to magnify it. He's not a founder of a new religion. It's the same old religion, so to speak. And that's what Jude was saying. We must return to the faith that was once delivered. And that was delivered from the Garden of Eden and then confirmed to a whole nation by a covenant on Mount Sinai. And that's why God says in Malachi in the last verse, unless you return to the law of Moses, my servant, which I commended unto him in Horeb, to all of Israel, and the statutes and judgments, unless you do it, there's going to be an utter destruction upon the whole earth. And so Christ is just confirming everything that he told before that to his own people, to his own wife. And that's what he's telling them. Even in the days of old, when he came down to Mount Sinai, he was bringing the religion of the Father, which was his religion too. At the time, he was not the Father. It's not a new religion. It's not Christianity. It's not Christian principles and doctrines 
and uh, ethics and this and that and the other thing. This is what was from the days of old. That's why Paul was telling the, the, the Gentiles that were called, you know, in the Corinthian church, he said, you're, you know, in essence, he's telling me, you're a bunch of ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant. You don't know the whole story. You know, you don't have the background. You were not raised like Timothy, like all of us, like, you know, the average Jew. You were not raised from a child in the Holy Scriptures, and you don't seem to be able to understand much. And an awful lot of us today are in that category. And so he tells him in chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians, in verse 1, he tells him the whole story. The fact that Israel, a long time ago, they were the first ones, as a nation, as a people, as a church, as a congregation, as a body of witnesses, who were baptized. Some people think, well, Christians are the first ones to be baptized. He says, no, 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 long ago, 1,500 years ago, and, you, and it wasn't your fathers, but our fathers. They came through the Red Sea and were baptized into Moses, you know, in the water and by the cloud. They ate, you know, they drank of the spiritual food. They ate of that spiritual food. And they followed that spiritual rock. And that rock, which was the God of Israel, the Eternal, was Christ. And there are some ignoramuses in our midst who have totally lost understanding who think the Father was Christ. The Father is the one that married Israel. And the scripture makes it very plain. So you have a choice. You want to believe Paul? You want to believe all those uh, false prophets in our midst that teach lies? And some others, not having enough discretion, biblical spiritual discretion, to publish it in the newspapers for the whole church to see, for the whole congregations, for all the people. Why would you want to preach, you know, uh, advertise, you know, the words of false prophets? Anyway, it's a different story. But in this case, Christ made it very plain that whatever he brought to his own wife, to his own nation, to his own people, is what they received long time ago from the Father, which he gave to them in the days of old. As he came as the angel of the Lord, as the Lord of hosts, as the captain of the host of the eternal, as the second being in that family that was to reproduce herself, with others who are going to be in their image and in their likeness. And people have forgot all that. So the people that just come directly to the so-called New Testament, they read these things, they don't understand what they are reading, they don't comprehend it. And so they came up with this foolishness that Christ became the founder of Christianity. And we are we are the New Testament church. We're Christians. We're the true church. We're this and we're that. For 2,000 years, these lies have been circulating all around, and people think it's truth. And so they come and mix old and new. As Christ said, you can't do it, because if you do, it's going to tear. They mix the old, the old religion, what they came up with, what they brought with them. When God called them and opened their eyes, and they're mixing it with the truth, with the, new, with the knowledge and understanding uh, that they have. They have no background to fully comprehend it properly and understand it. And that's what he's telling them. And so we continue now in... Uh, in chapter 5 again, and uh, well, in verse 27, basically we were reading about the resurrection. And that's exactly what he told Daniel in chapter 12 and verse 2 about the time when this is going to happen. So he's repeating what he said earlier through the prophets. And then chapter 5 and verse 44, we read again. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only, the only El Elyon, 
The only God, the only Elohim, that's what he's talking about. And some people say, you know, in their confusion, that at least people who had known that better, I'm not talking about others, they say that, you know, the Father is the one that married Israel and he's the only God, and some people are falling back on the background now with that proper understanding. And Jesus Christ is a, sort of a manifestation of God, a prophet, or this or that, or a man, whatever they come up with. Well, Christ made it very plain, and when you read this statement of Christ, uh, about the only God, you have to understand what he's talking about. He's the only El Elyon, he's the only supreme deity. Christ is also a deity, not the present, he's flesh and blood. He took on himself the nature of man. But in that sense, you might even say that at that time, since he took on himself the flesh, uh, that is uh, the nature of man. He's not God at this point. He's not a divine being. He's not a spirit being. He's, you know, he eats and drinks and uh, goes to sleep like, and sweats like everybody else. And so, in that sense, you might say at this point, the one who is in heaven is the only God. But ultimately speaking, he's speaking about the fact that there is one El Elyon, as I mentioned earlier. As Abraham appeared before him, Called him Melchizedek, the king of righteousness, the priest of El Elyon, priest of the Most High. And as later on, Gabriel would reveal that to Mary, that the child that is going to be born from her will be from El Elyon, the Most High. And that's the difference between the two. Both of them are deities, but one of them is the Most High. And that title is given only to the Father, the one that became known as the Father, but he's been always El Elyon. That's what Jesus Christ appeared many times, that is the Savior, the anointed Messiah, the ruler, the rock of Israel, the God of Israel, that is the Jehovah of Israel, Elohim of Israel. He appeared as the messenger of the El Elyon. And when people are blind and they can see all those things which the fathers did, Abraham did, even Hagar, his wife, knew that when she met the angel of the Lord, she knew that it was, uh, was uh, eternal. But she knew also that he's the one being sent from the El Elyon. Because Father Abraham taught her all those things. And she had an experience, personal experience with that very being too. And she was not ignorant of that. And yet many of us who think they are wise in their own conceit, they are totally ignorant of that. They don't understand. Because our eyes have been blinded. That's what God told Isaiah. The eyes of Israel are going to be blinded because of their rebellion and disobedience to me. So I'm going to blind them for a while, hold them in, you know, conclude them in, in uh, unbelief, in blindness, until the time when I have mercy on them and open their eyes. And so this is what he's saying here. The honor that comes from the only God. Verse 45, do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. Well, what do you mean Moses accuses you? He gave to Moses a law to tell the children of Israel. And that law is what accuses us. It's not that Moses himself, but Moses is taking it as a generic for the law, for the Torah that he himself gave him. In other words, when we sin and transgress against the law, the law accuses us. And that's why he told us also that what is going to judge us at the end time is the word. The word that we transgressed. That is the Torah, the truth. And the law that we transgress is what going to claim our life. It's going to accuse us, so to speak. So you, know, you have to, to understand the idioms that he's talking about here. And so he says, Moses, in whom you trust, he's the one that accuses you. For if you believed Moses, 
he would believe me, for he wrote about me. Many people now immediately do not believe Moses. Not only that, they have resentment for Moses. They want to hear about that. That's old stuff. Tell us about the New Testament. There would be no New Testament without Moses. Because the New Testament is based on what God gave Moses. Shows you how ignorant people can be. How blind. How deaf. How dumb. You know, their heart is gross, so to speak. Fat. Can't understand. And that's what happened to the people in his day. They were so rebellious, breaking the law, right and left, that they did not even believe Moses when, or what he said about him. It didn't mean they didn't believe anything about Moses. Obviously, they believed an awful lot about Mo- Moses and what he taught. That's not what he's talking about. He said, have you really believed everything that Moses said, especially about me? You would have believed it. You would have believed me. But that faith wasn't there. It departed from them because of disobedience. When we disobey God, faith begins to wane and see, you know, be, get sifted out, just like in a sieve. You know, you make holes in a cup, everything goes down. That's what happens with transgression, just like you made a hole in the faith that you have and it begins to seep out. And that's what is happening in our midst. An awful lot of people are rebellious, are disobedient to the law of God. They say, we don't need to do this, we don't need to do that. I'm spiritual. I don't need to keep the Sabbath. Well, this is somebody who is zealous and keeping the Sabbath. He said, well, you make a God out of the Sabbath, and so forth and so forth. And I, you know, I, I can eat unclean food. There's nothing wrong with that. In the Old Testament, they couldn't do it because they didn't have a fridge. And so people are rebellious and disobedient and stiff-necked like they always used to be. As God always describes his people, Israel, and so they have no faith. Well, once you have no faith, you don't believe. So people don't, don't believe Moses today. And Moses was speaking to the Eternal all the time. And that Eternal is the one that became the Christ, the rock. That's what he said, on this rock I'm going to build my Eda, my body of believers. And he's not talking about a new one, he's talking about a renewed one. After all, he's using the same people and revitalizing them and giving them the Holy Spirit. He's not talking about another group. If he wanted another group, he would have gone to Rome directly. Or any other country. Why come to Judah? Well, that's the only people that God sent him to. The only people God is going to deliver. And through them, the rest of humanity. Speaking about the entirety of Israel, not only the people that were in the land. And so that's what he's saying. It's, for if you believe Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? And how many people today in our midst do not believe the writings of Moses, who made it very plain that God and those other things that God dictated to him, he didn't invent it, but God swore to the fathers, he made the covenants and the promises to the fathers, and God described the, the entirety of the history of Israel from beginning until the coming of Christ, and beyond that, uh, God is going to bring back his own people, redeem them, deliver them, they are going to come out of tribulation, and he's going to take them back, and they are going to obey his statutes and judgments and precepts and testimonies, not their Christianity, and all that they call Christianity. And people don't believe Moses today. No wonder whether there's an awful lot of confusion and blindness in our midst. We don't even know when to keep the feast. We're all confused about it. Each one keeps it at a different time. God is not the author of confusion. We, we, we went, obviously, to another spirit for our inspiration. So we're all confused. We're all blind. 
And so the church of God, the people of God, the Edah of God, the Israel of God, from the beginning until the end, those who have the Holy Spirit, those who believe Moses, they can come to Christ. You cannot come to Christ if you don't believe Moses. It's as simple as that. And that's what he's telling his own people at the time. And that's what he's telling us too. If you don't believe Moses, how can you believe me? And many people don't believe him. That's why there are those in our midst who don't believe anymore that Christ is not only a son of God, but he is himself a deity, a spirit being, and not sitting on the right hand of God himself, waiting to come down as the King of kings and Lord of lords, as the Jehovah, as the eternal to his own people, to rule over the house of Jacob. And all those things are made very plain by Moses and later on by the prophets who magnified the words of Moses and spoke about what Moses taught, what God gave Moses, that is. And that's what he's telling them. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? And that's a story that is happening today all over again in our midst. And that's why there are many of us who came out of the great whore, out of the harlots, out of the counterfeit church, out of the Revelation churches, that is Revelation 17, not chapter 2 and 3, but all these who came out of it, that's why we brought with this lie with us when we don't even know what we are. We don't even know who and what is the true church of God, the body of witnesses. We don't know the whole story. We don't realize the thousands of years in the planning of the bride of God, of the nation of God, of the people of God, the descendants from the body of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob, and then few others who are being grafted from other nations. And we have lost that knowledge and understanding. We just don't believe Moses. And we don't believe the prophets. And we really don't believe Christ as we think we do. And so we're still blind in that area. But, as Christ said, he that has an ear, let him hear. And those who have eyes, let them see. And if we don't, he said, well, I counsel you that you get some eyes out. Put it in your eyes and begin to see. And it's between us and between God. No man can convince any other man otherwise. Let's continue now with, uh, with the next verse. And we are now continuing in John. We're in John now, chapter 6 and verse 40, 44. 45 actually. Well, we read, it is written, Jesus Christ is speaking, it is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. And you can read this statement in Isaiah in particular, in Isaiah 54 and verse 13. They are all going to be taught by Elohim. And here he is, in their midst. This scripture has been fulfilled at this point. And so that's what he's telling them. Indirectly. I am God. I'm standing before you. I'm Elohim. I'm your God. I'm the God of Israel. I'm the second deity in one sense. And there is El Elyon. And I was sent by him. And he's always prayed to his father. To the El Elyon. And he said he's greater than I. And he taught us to pray to him. And people today have a Jesus religion. And all the songs and songs that they sing are for Jesus, and which is fine. But when you forget who is the El Elyon, and you put him aside, and now he becomes your P.S., it shows that you are in confusion. 
Christ didn't give us this example to direct all the glory and attention and, and uh, adoration only to him. We should continue to adore him. He's our God, our creator, our salvation, our high priest, our husband. But we should always remember the very one that he dedicated his whole life and gave his life also uh, uh, all the way. While he was alive, presented himself a living sacrifice to his father, to his God, and our God. And all those who do not believe Moses and don't believe the prophets, they don't either believe Christ, and therefore they have this, this new religion called the Jesus religion. And too many of us are infested with it and infected by it, and do not see clearly anymore. And so this is what he's saying. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by Elohim. And therefore everyone who has heard and learned, that is, and learned from the Father, comes to me. And he's speaking about the Elohim, that is, his father, and himself is Elohim. Because he's being taught, that is, he's, uh, well, he was being taught by the father himself on a personal basis, and now he's passing it on to his own wife, his own people. And he himself is Elohim, and he's Jehovah, and he's all the other titles, with the exception of the only titles that are given to the father. Uh, the father is one of his titles. Jesus Christ is also called the Everlasting Father, but in a different sense, as you read in Isaiah, uh, chapter 9, verse 7, I believe. And, but the El Elyon is the title that is only a title given to the one who is above all. And so he said, in essence, you are being taught by the Father through me, and you are, taught, are being taught by me, who is also a father unto you, and I am also your Elohim, your Jehovah. And those things, he said, they come from the Father, and they come through me. And so he says, therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. And how are they going to learn and hear from the Father? Well, when you listen to the words that he gave you through his Son, in days of old, when he was not known as his Son. That's how you come to the Father, and you come through him. There is no other way. Not that... Anyone has seen the Father except he who is from Elohim, from God. He has seen the Father, well, because he too is a deity and he has been with him for eternity. He's the only one that saw him. He didn't begin his history at that point where, you know, some people think he was born 2,000 years ago and that was the beginning of his history and he was created. Because somewhere they read that Christ is the first, you know, the beginning of the creation of God. And having no knowledge, no understanding to uh, comprehend what it's talking about, that he's the first one that was begotten by the Father to be a son, as the firstborn of many brethren, and that was the context there. And therefore he began, he is the beginning of the creation of the new man. That does not mean that he hasn't been there for eternity before that. He just became flesh and blood and went through the process to pave the road in the way for us as the first pioneer the first scout, the first fruit, so that we may follow in his footsteps. And so that's what he's telling them, not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from, uh, from God, from Elohim. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes me has everlasting life. You cannot have everlasting life if you believe in a human being. Because a human being cannot give you eternal life, everlasting life. Only a spirit being can give you that. And this is what Jesus Christ was and became after his resurrection. 
That's what Paul later on said. We now know no more Jesus Christ according to the flesh. He doesn't exist anymore as a flesh and blood human being. He's back to his divinity, to his godhood. That's what Thomas said, my Lord and my God, when he recognized that after the resurrection. And of course the blind cannot believe that nor understand that. And so he said, most assuredly I said to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life and I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. And that's what Moses told us about. That the word of God, the truth of God, the life of God, the nature of God that is represented by the Torah. That's the explanation of it. That's the manifestation of it in, 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 in terms of words of explanation. That came down from heaven. And yet he said, you know, you don't need to go up to heaven to, to receive it. You don't need to go under the ground. It's right there. It is in the midst of you, even at that time. Even at that time, Jesus Christ was in their midst. They had an access to him and to his truth that he received from the Father, that he brought to them. That's the reason why Paul says, you know, they all ate of that spiritual food and they all drank of that spiritual uh, drink and they all followed that spiritual rock and that rock was Christ. And so that's what he's telling them now. Here I am. As I was in Mount Sinai, as I came in the your midst, as I dwelt in the tabernacle in your midst, same person. So he says, this is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. That's why later on he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Speaking about the word that he taught, the truth, the Torah, the teachings, the instructions, which are spirit and not physical. 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. And he did when he descended on Mount Sinai in person. And he did again now in their midst, only in the, the form of a flesh and blood. Still the same person. And if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. And people do not understand it, you know, it's even those at the, that time, they did not understand what he's talking about, being confused, because they were not obedient to Moses, as they should have been. And they did not comprehend, you know, the spirit, uh, spiritual context of what he's talking about, and so they thought, well, you know, he's, he's, he's teaching us to, to uh, be cannibals. And they didn't like that idea, and they rejected it, and so even his own disciples, many of his own disciples went away, walked with him no more, were offended by it. And then we read again in... Uh, Chapter 7 and verse 16, where he's telling them, and Jesus answered and said, My doctrine, and the word he uses, Torah. See, we're reading it in English. My doctrine, of course, the translators didn't like to use the word Torah, because after all, they came from another religion. They're not about to use the old terminology of God. That Jewish terminology, as they saw it. He says, My Torah is not mine, but he is who sent me. He didn't come to establish a new religion. He's not the founder of Christianity. He brought it from the Father. How can it be a founder of something that you brought from somebody else? And he says, if anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine of the Torah, whether it is from Elohim, the El Elyon, or whether I speak on my own authority. 
And he did not speak on his own authority. He didn't bring it up. You know, he didn't invent it. And he who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. And too many people are there. That's why there are an awful lot of preachers. They throw a couple of scriptures here and there to sound spiritual. And most of the things that they say are, they invent from their own mind. And some of it is based on the Bible. And some of it is not. And so he says, he who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. And that's the intent. People like to sound very intellectual. Very persuasive. Very spiritual, and all and so forth. They seek their own glory. And so he says, he who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. And that's what he's talking about. And all those people who do it. The rabbis were doing it. Even though they're using, you know, they're using the words of Moses. But their intent was to show their own intellectual capacity. And intelligence. You know, it was vanity. And there are an awful lot of in our midst who are, who are still doing the same. And all of us to one degree or the other now and then find ourselves doing that. We want to, to, to show you know, how, how smart we are and how wise we are, how much we know. We want to expose our own spirituality and want people to follow us. If we're not careful, this is what we are. And we have to catch ourselves and repent of them and realize that it is vanity. We should not ever speak our own words of ourselves. Still being human beings, you know, we have to explain the way that we understand. So that's one thing. But on the other hand, to take the credit to ourselves and to think that we are the ones who are emanating, you know, that wisdom, and we personify that wisdom as if it came from us, or knowledge of spirituality, and people go to the extent nowadays, something new under the earth, and because of commercialism of everything, and materialism and everything, especially in religion, that people want to copyright. How can you copyright the Bible? How can you copyright the Spirit of God? How can you copyright inspiration that came from God? If you copyright, you say, it's mine, it came from me. I'm the author of it. You see what I mean? It's a problem that we have in our midst nowadays. And even among groups and churches, when they split, they begin fighting over the booklets that they wrote earlier. They don't give God the credit and the glory. They don't say, well, I got it from God, how can I copyright that? They don't have the spirit and attitude that Paul had, a man of God, a genuine man of God, who said, there are those, you know, while he was in prison, you know, there are those who preach Christ out of uh, love, you know, for me, you know, because they care for me, and he's the one that taught them the message to begin with. And there are, on the other hand, those who do it out of contempt, you know, because they're out of strife. You know, they want to do it in spite of me. But he said, nevertheless, I don't care about that. In whichever way, as long as Jesus Christ is being preached, I'm going to rejoice. He didn't say I've got copyright over my, my, my preaching. You know, that's foolishness. That's blasphemy in that sense. To attribute that to yourself. And to say, you know, only me has the credit. Now, on the other hand, uh, we have to understand also, if, if, we, if we are in the, in the, in the business of uh, publishing Bibles or things like that, uh, well, we won't have copyrights in the sense of, uh, you know, you've got to give credit to whom credit is due. That's the other side of the story, too. can't go from one extreme to the other. But still, have to, we have to understand. Where does it come from? And that's why Christ is not taking the credit to himself. And so he says, I'm not speaking from, you know, by my own authority. And he who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. That's also another reason for the copywriting. But he who seeks the glory 
of the one who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. And we should have this attitude if we are genuine people of God. If we are Israelites, not only in the flesh, but also in the spirit. Verse 19, did not Moses give you the Torah? Yet none of you keeps the Torah. Why do you seek to kill me? What do you mean none of you keeps the Torah? They were all keeping the Sabbath and holidays and uh, many of those things. You have to understand what he's talking about. And James says, you break one of them, you broke them all. So you haven't kept the Torah in that sense. That's what he's talking about. You don't believe me, you know, you want to kill me, though Moses spoke about me. How can you say you keep the Torah? If you did, you do the whole thing, not just bits and pieces. And that's what human beings do to this very day. Based on the bits and pieces that they keep, they form a religion, doctrine, theology. And that's what he's telling his own wife, his own people. And he's their own God, standing there right before them, explaining all those things patiently, you know, understanding their blindness. He's not saying it in a hatred or vengeful spirit. That's his wife, that's his people. He's trying to help them. And some responded, and he had followers, and he had disciples, and gradually all of them are going to be on his side when their eyes are opened, when he removes the blindness, and so he loves them to the end. He loved, he loved them to death, so to speak. To the moment that he died, he still loved them and atoned for their sins. So he had to see it from his point of view, because there are those people who read that and develop hatred and malice and darkness toward the people of God. They show that they are the wrong spirit. And some in our midst have the same attitude too, unfortunately. Let's go to chapter 8, where we read continuation of the story of the, of the church of God, of the people of God of the wife of God. In chapter 8, in verse 26, we read, where Christ is telling to his own people, his own wife, I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true. Constantly acknowledging the Father, the El Elyon. And I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. So I'm not the founder of Christianity. You see, he's not a Christian to begin with. He's the God of Israel. He's the anointed. That's what Christ means, the anointed. And he did not come to establish a religion of the anointed. And he's not interested in an anointed worship, Jesus' worship. You worship God, he said. And then also, you worship the Lamb, the Son, the Son of God. But direct the main emphasis to the Father. And people today have forgotten that and they create their own religion. Verse 26, he says, I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. What did he hear from him? The same things that he told earlier to the fathers from the Garden of Eden, then later on to Noah and all the righteous men, and to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and then came on Mount Sinai and spoke in person for 40 years. To Moses, delivered to him the words of God, the words of the Father. And Moses was fully aware of that. And he spoke about that in many ways, but the blind cannot see it. And so that's what he's saying to them. And uh, in verse 31, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, imagine that, they believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. 
and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So here people who believe in him, children of the wife, children of Israel, people like us, people of Israel, children of Israel, in the flesh, and also some in the spirit. And yet, look how we react sometimes to the truth. And so when he told them, his own people, and he tells us the same, we're not different, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And that's how we react, that's how they reacted sometimes. Verse 33, they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants, and have never been in bondage to anyone. We know everything. What do you mean, truth is going to make us free? How can you say, you will be made free? See how can disciples of Christ be so blind at the same time? We're not different today. And so Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And there are many in our midst who are committing sin because they have rationalized that sin is no longer sin. It's okay to break the Sabbath and do your own thing. I'm spiritual, I don't need to keep it. It's okay to eat clean, not to eat unclean food. I'm spiritual. I don't need to worry about that. It's okay to do away with this law, that law, or the other law. I'm spiritual. We're a New Testament church. We're not Old Testament church. We don't need to do those things. Never mind that our God and our Lord and Master and Savior and Ruler and Deliverer told us, I did not come to destroy the Torah or the prophets. I came to fulfill. And heaven and earth shall not pass away. Now that is, heaven and earth shall pass away before any judge or title shall pass away from the law. So we are the ones who are doing away with portions of the law of God, of the Torah of God. Not him. He didn't do away with that. We claim that he did. Anyway, we're going to stop at this point. And this is again Mordecai Joseph saying greetings to all of God's people. Until next time. The preceding message was taken from the World Wide Website at address www.biblestudy.org. This site is sponsored by Barnabas Ministries. Bible Study. You have questions? The Bible has answers.